Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Mindset Musings, Series 3, with my co-host Simon Gardner. How are you, Simon? Yes, very well, mate. Very well. How are you? Yes, good, thanks. Hay fever running right in my sinuses, but um, I'll take that for the uh, nice weather that we're having. Yep, yep. Well, it's summer, isn't it? I- I've got to be honest, I'm feeling a bit dusty today. I was in your establishment yesterday. Um, I don't usually drink during the week, ever, but I had a few beers. And as you get older, you can really feel it, can't you, the next day? E- yeah. e- even just a few. Yeah. yeah. So thank you, um, thank you for your custom, though. No, I, no, I didn't pay. <laughs> <laughs> it's on my tab, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. Uh, no, it's really busy. Yeah, really, you know, it's just it's just nice to see the sunshine through the windows and sit outside. It's a, yeah, it's just it's just a Thursday, isn't it, in in June, and it's just lovely. Bit of, bit of down, nice bit of downtime. Exactly that, exactly that. So today, it's a leadership special. Yes, very good. I've done a little bit of research, uh, yep. and I know you're very big on leadership, heading up your company, so it should be an interesting discussion. It's something which I know I personally have kind of struggled with at times in the past, and still yeah. do. And I don't think it's a finely tuned, perfected skill at any stage, really. I think there's always, whether you're looking for promotions or, you know, the CEO or self-employed, I think there's always room for improvement and consistent learning, constant learning on the subject. Definitely. I think everyone's in a leadership role of some kind, you know, you know literally everyone. You know, you're you're either a parent, a coach of a football team, or you lead your own life. You know, so you are you are in a leadership role of, of some of some capacity at any given point. And I suppose I, I mean, since having my two boys, I, I've matured a bit, definitely, and I'm aware now. Even you know, and we're going to come on and talk about the work set in the business set in the entrepreneurial side of it. But even as a as a new dad, you know, I make sure now if we go for something to eat and we take them once a month as a treat to fast food places or whatever, even little things like you put the tray away, you 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 clean the table down and, and they see you do it. You put the trolley back, you know, when you go shopping, even if it's right across the car park, because that is what an upstanding citizen does. And that's, you know, that that's leadership. You know, if you expect people to do things that you're not willing to do yourself, then you, then you're not a leader. You're a boss. They're two very different things. So, so yeah, so I think this will be relevant for, for literally anyone because you, you, it, it can cross over into any kind of leadership role you've got. And as I said, I think most people have got at least one. Yes, no, that's that's very, very fair point. I did a little bit of research uh, in recent months and I came across the Centre for Creative Leadership and they've done a lot of research into leadership and they've come up with 10 points which they found were the most common sort of uh, what they claim to be essential leadership qualities. So I thought if we just have a quick breeze through each topic and then um, we'll see if they are or are not relevant. So point one on their list is integrity. Yeah. Obviously that kind of, as you were just saying about being an upstanding citizen applies to most roles in life. How do you see the integrity being an important role in leadership? So we've only got three core values here and integrity is one of them and it, is a bit cheesy to have it as a core value. Everyone's got it. You know, you you see it written on walls in offices all around the country. But to me, integrity is doing the right thing, even when no one's looking and doing the right thing because you know that you've done the right thing. And that is something that I always try and do. Yes, we will have moments where we cut the odd corner, sure. But I mean, as I said, doing the right thing because it's the right thing to do is very, very important. 
but you're constantly being watched. You're constantly being watched. You know, here we've got we've got almost a hundred people, and in my team that I manage, there's there's seventeen now. Um, but you know, I, I I obviously the rest of the business, you know, obviously along with other directors, but they take their lead from you. And and if you're not doing the right things, people know, and therefore they think they think it's okay for them for them to cut corners. Then it bleeds into other areas of their of their work life, and and then sometimes personal life. So I think integrity is a huge thing and you can kind of get the vibe from someone or, or even a whole company and their culture pretty much straight away if they're going to do the right thing by you or not. Yeah. And it's, um, it's quite hard. There's not really any metrics is there to measure it by as such. No. Um, it is just leading by example, like you say. And I think the, uh, the old saying, someone said it the other day, do as I say, not as I do is like completely outdated now. It's uh not really you're not really able to get away with that anymore exactly i mean there was there was a quote i read the other day and it said um leading by example isn't just one way to lead it's the only way to lead and i think that is so so true um and you know showing in you know sometimes we'll make decisions that one or two people don't like however if they've been heard and their voice has been heard and you've listened and you've explained and and the decision's not gone their way if you've shown integrity to the whole process they're fairly happy with 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 that outcome yeah you know and that's really really important very true right uh point two on the list of this research is this is something that i've really struggled with in the past and still do it's the control freaking me uh, is delegation probably defined as one of the core responsibilities of leadership can be tricky but how, I mean, how do you go about it? I'd like to hear how you do it. So I, I've been terrible in the past and it's not because I am a control freak. I just was really worried and nervous about asking people to, to, to do things. And that was up until about five years ago. So I would do the most stupid, ridiculous, small things uh, for people that really um, other people should have been doing. And I went to, um, we had a half day training session about five, six years ago and delegation came up. And I completely changed my perspective on it. The guy said, he said, look, delegation, people want tasks. They want to develop. Um, if you're not giving people tasks, they think they're being overlooked and they're not developing their skills. Um, and they can see it. They can start to see it as a bit of a dead end role. And I thought, Christ, that, that's, that's so true. And, you know, everyone's got their mundane, you know, sort of register of work if you like and if you're not giving people you know interesting tasks to do and and things that you know um will will develop them they're going to start to see it as a bit of a mundane job so that changed my perspective the the other thing that changed my perspective was that as part of the training group that i'm in they said that delegation isn't just there to save your time it's there to save your interest and motivation so you don't just give away the time consuming tasks you give away the tasks that you just don't like doing because someone else will um, like doing them and you can stay more engaged in the business you can stay more engaged in your working day and more motivated by giving away tasks that you don't want to do you know delegation isn't just there to save time um, which I thought was a really interesting point but my favorite bit of delegation I've ever done was getting a bookkeeper because <laughs> I, hate, I hate that side of things <laughs> oh my god yeah oh, and, and she, she's great shout out to Jill if you're listening um, yeah. And I suppose it's 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 a trust thing, isn't it? You got to build that trust, and people need to demonstrate to you that they're capable of doing the tasks. I think sometimes it can go wrong. You know, you can delegate tasks, and 
it goes completely haywire. And um, I think that's what kind of scares a lot of people, including myself. But um, I think once you get over that worry, yeah. Um, and and you do build that trust and and you you put that trust in someone and empower them to be able to you know develop their own skills as you said then yep. um, then hopefully you're on the right path yeah definitely I, I think just just final point on that i mean he this, this guy was sort of coaching us through why one or two of us found it difficult to delegate and uh, it wasn't me it was a colleague but he said well if i if i delegate certain tasks there's a high chance that the, that the person i give it to is going to make a mistake and he said that yeah, they will. They'll make loads. But fifth or sixth time they do it, you're not doing that task anymore. And they they become almost expert level at it. But they will make a mistake. Of course they will. You know, just like you did when you started. But it's worth the pain in the in the front end for for you know shifting on a task that takes you 45 minutes a week, etc. Yeah. Um, very very solid. Exactly that. And and I think just finally, you know, again, the other sort of pushback was well it takes me five minutes to do it um it's going to take show me it's going to take probably at least an hour to show someone how to do it or i can do it in five minutes so what you know blah blah and you think well if it if it takes you five minutes a day um and you're in work for let's say 220 days a year <laughs> again it's worth the short-term pain and sat there for an hour um while someone tries to pick it up for the for the back end time game as well very true time investment as opposed to capital investment exactly uh, point three this again something that you always need to work on uh, i'm a lot better at it these days than i used to be this relies on multiple people obviously is uh communication so one thing i find difficult as, as good as technology modern technology is there are a lot of platforms email yeah. um social media there's you know dozens of those if not hundreds and then you've got mess- messaging services whatsapp telegram slack you've got task managers like asana trello etc cetera, etc cetera. Yeah. and everyone has got their own different preference yeah so i personally speaking from experience because i work in various different sectors and self-employed so i work with different contractors i come up with this problem a lot so my preferred method is informal chat is whatsapp or whatsapp group anything formally delivered is in an email i hate email but it's there for a purpose for you know clear and concise communication Uh, i like to use microsoft office excel for example in spreadsheet format some people only like to use google sheets yeah and you you just hit this kind of not tug of war because you're there to work with each other but i i try so desperately to switch to another platform and then i kind of sit back and think oh you know i've got like 20 different file sharing things here and um so that's one thing i find quite difficult but i think the the nuts and bolts of communication though is is in like just not being silent if there's problems let's talk about it let's work through it making sure important messages get to people if you can get that then the rest will hopefully sort itself out but what what challenges do you find with it yeah i mean just exactly that i mean perfect point i was trying to reply to someone the other day um i went on my whatsapp couldn't see the message went on i thought i might might have email you know and in the end it was um i've got two instagram pages uh, one you know more public one private and it and I, and I and in the end i found it in my private instagram again and i think it took about four four different platforms you know log in <laughs> where's this message um so yeah 100 percent. i think communication for us uh in terms of leadership here you know, when we were just two of us and then four of us and then five of us, you know, you, you could, you know, there was no, there was no group email. We would, um, we would organise our Christmas event or whatever, just by shouting over the desk, you know, who's free, blah, blah. And we were still doing that at 15 people. And then 
certain people you know, so, so there's been teething problems of communication as you grow because no longer can you just say oh who's up for doing this and can we all meet at four o'clock because there's 15 people and you know so so that's when you know all staff email started and that's when this and and, and now we have to communicate in such a particular way we've got a head of marketing whose role is also internal communications so as i said we've got 100 people sometimes people are working from home sometimes they're they're off communication has to be clear and it's got to come in quite different formats so we have to put things on certain walls for people that don't don't listen or, or you know people that are preferred the more legible things um, we have to repeat messages at any point in awards uh, you know we'd have a monthly awards we have weekly meetings we have uh, one-to-ones blah, blah blah so people that are more audible you have to then say the same message and typically it takes about five or six attempts to get a message to someone from different angles or i don't know you know i don't know the stats but if we send an all-staff email around and a high percentage of people won't take that in which is fine you know that's not how they how they operate um so communication as you grow is really is really tough and as I said, with my particular team, if I'm just delivering a message locally just to those 17 people, I sometimes have to adjust the message for two or three of them because I know that possibly they might pick something out of the main message I send as maybe something quite negative. So you have to reframe it for different personalities. It's a real challenge and it's basically half the job mm. because you know you can have a great idea and a great something that's going to impact everyone and if you can't get that across clearly so that they understand it and don't take offense and this that, and the other you might as well not have done the whole thing in the first place so yeah it's it's, it's really interesting and I'm, and I'm sure we've got more teething problems to come because you know we want to get we want to get to 200 now you know yeah for sure for sure now, as you know, I'm from the recruitment industry, and we wanted to give a quick shout out to contractor payroll specialists Workwell, our founding partners here on the Mindset Musings podcast. Their ongoing enthusiasm to this show since its launch demonstrates their commitment to supporting their agency partners, both with their growth um, and sharing expertise across the industry to raise recruitment standards nationwide. Workwell provide a huge range of outsourced payroll solutions to recruitment agencies and contractors to take away the pressures of managing their financial requirements. Now, that's whether the contractor wishes to work via limited company, umbrella, PAYE, or solutions like PEO, and that's either in the UK or now internationally as well. Their knowledge and passion for evolving the future of recruitment really does run deep, and this is evident in their consistent development of cutting-edge services, including compliance and back-office solutions. Now, you can find them by visiting workwellsolutions.com or at Workwell across any social media platform. Right, let's get back to it. So the next point on the list, uh, and I'm going to bring one up, which is down further on the list and put them both together because I believe they're quite closely linked the, the first one is self-awareness yeah. so being aware of yourself your strengths your weaknesses etc and of those around you it's quite important and then the one i'll tie onto it is is the respect element as well which is treating people with respect on a daily basis you know you see it things flying around on social media like the inspirational stuff you know the, the way that you treat the uh, ceo and the and the caretaker uh, if it's exactly the same then you know that's what you should be seen to be doing is leading by example. Yeah. One just point I had on this is back in the early days when we had our first pub, you'll remember these days, sorry, regular that you were. I kind of 
for me and my business partners, so my role, well, the networker essentially, and it, this was early, early days of social media and Facebook. And um, I kind of developed this tag from some of my peers, co-workers or whatever, for just being not really doing much work, say lazy, for example, could be framed as banter. And I was, um, <laughs> the way that I saw it was, you know, I was, yeah, all right, I was in attending social events within the pub. I was putting the nights on, promoting the nights. You know, you're networking with people, chatting to people, and I'm also sat on my laptop at the end of the bar in the downtime, creating events on social media to invite people because it was this new thing and everyone was on it. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah let's harness the power of this. And so I picked up this tag for people just thinking, oh, it doesn't really do much work. He just like sits around, drinks, and goes on his laptop sort of thing. And it's only in the last few years those instigators of the people that were doing that have actually said to me like yeah no i see what you were doing now like you know you were building up the business and you know it was quite a vital part of it and like didn't actually say it but you know i could tell they felt a little bit bad for giving me a bit of stick back in the day yeah yeah um <laughs> but the, the reason i bring that point is is because that is self-awareness like i was aware of like the heavy lifting and shifting side of things I wasn't particularly good at it. And there were people that were better at me, better than me, sorry, at it. But then my skills were, you know, I'm quite a people person. So yeah. it made sense for me to be, you know, socializing with people and, you know, inviting them into the events we were having, which is obviously in turn building up the business. So mm-hmm. I think it's important to to see that side of things. But the flip side of it is, in, in, in we're talking about leadership today is it does give you a bit of a conscience because you think, well, everyone thinks I'm just lazy. Everyone thinks yeah. I'm not doing anything. Yeah. Yeah. And it was really hard. And it still sticks with me to this day, that kind of feeling almost of like, I'm working really hard and I'm building the business, but people are seeing me in a different way. Yeah. Even though nowadays they're not, they're kind of looking back reflectively, sort of thinking, actually, he was putting a lot of graft in. It's just because it's not measurable, as it were. Yeah, no, totally. It's funny. my. Um... You know, if you get a tag like that, if you get a, a brand within a, you know, within your role or, or maybe a family, it's really difficult to shift. Mm. So as a, as a leader, you need to make sure you're not branding people, the guy that always uh, leaves five minutes early or the, whatever, because they start to assume that identity. And what happens is they then play up to the character that you've created for them. It's funny, my mate used to work at Fratton Park at the training ground um, as, a, as a groundsman. He which is Portsmouth Football Club, by the way, to, to those that don't know. And he went there for about five years. I mean, he was there in the Premier League and then in the Championship. And Steve Cottrell, the manager, nicknamed him uh, Rigor Mortis because he, <laughs> because he didn't do too much. <laughs> and yeah, he's still got that label from, from, from our maze now. <laughs> um, and he's moved on to two further workplaces since then. And, you know, once you give someone a label for being lazy or for being something fairly negative, they will start to assume that identity. But it's the same as when, when we get, you know, like the youngsters in here or whatever, 21-year-old lad or, or girl, you know, I'll make sure I go, you'll, you'll be the top biller here. You'll be the top biller here, no doubt. I can see it, blah, blah. And I'll say that to a few people, but then they then start to assume the identity of someone that they know is going to the top of this business and it has an impact. I think, you know, labeling people can be, can be positive, um, but it can be, it can be really negative as well if it's done in a, in a, in a negative way. Definitely. Yeah. I think from personal experience, the, the way I shook it was I'm very, very driven by, we've already talked about it in series one and two, very driven by people that doubt me. And I think I just, 
use that as a incentive to knuckle down, work hard and, you know, achieve what I've achieved and then kind of say, well, am I that lazy really? You know, yeah, exactly. pose, the qu- pose the question back to them really. Exactly that. Um, anyway, right. On to the next point, gratitude. This is something which we've spoken about off air and I think the COVID pandemic has definitely made me realize this a lot more. I'm a lot more grateful for a lot of things in life as well as in work and business. But it is said that it's linked to things like reduced depression and anxiety, yep. higher self-esteem, having a grateful attitude and you know showing that towards people around you, saying thank you to employees or co-workers for mm. help with projects and stuff like that. Yeah, and you know, praise in general. It's like it invokes in that human emotion, doesn't it? How do yeah. you see it in your workplace? Yeah. So in the workplace, we are, you know, we we it's funny because we incentivize people um a huge amount. We we pay them, you know, market leading rates, you know, very, very high commission, cars and uh car allowance, you know, or, or holidays, anything you like. But the most hotly contested thing each each quarter is a you know a three inch plastic statue on their desk that they don't even get to keep you know um so it's funny thank it literally the small it's you, you can pay people all the money in the world but it is the thank you a public thank you if they like that or, or a private thank you that just goes a hell of a long almost as far as a holiday to ibiza you know it's it, it really is um, just one human thanking another and it can go much much further than all of the remuneration that people get personally i always struggle with great you know i've tried it um and i am grateful for it for everything i've got um but it is one area that i do really need to work on i've got to be honest because sometimes i do from you know i just i want more i want the company to grow this and that and and, and you can get home and you can be frustrated and you think christ just look around me like this is like this is an unusual situation for people to be in and you should you know, you have the odd moment of going, oh, bloody hell, look at what we've done. But actually, I don't do it enough. And, and I do beat myself up and I'm not really ever sat fully satisfied. And and I think that is something that I do need to work on because it, it can all go pop at one stage. And so, yeah, that's probably my weakest area, I've got to say. It's, it's part of that, taking the time to um, appreciate the process, isn't it, that we've spoken about rather than the end goal, I think, as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, that kind of plays into it. Exactly. Um, Next one on the list, uh, learning agility. Speaking from personal experience, uh, I, I got into reading books a lot about six or seven years ago, and that changed my life. That's the reason I'm saying doing this podcast now. It's yeah. the reason I think the way that I do. If anyone asked for any life advice, not that they would from me, but if anyone were to, I think probably top of the list would probably be just read, read, and read some more okay. because it's it's definitely... You don't know everything and you don't know what you don't know. But if you get into reading, especially in your sub, uh, specialist areas, your subject areas, then it can help you like vastly. I mean, how, how do you go about it? Yeah, I mean, like here, I, I only, you know, I kick myself that I was probably 33 or four before I started to really get into self, you know, non-fiction books, let's say. I'd read a, a book on a holiday once a year or whatever before that. But yeah, it's it's come on leaps and bounds and it's completely changed the way I think. And it's really gone through. I mean, it wasn't really me that that picked up a book first here. It was it was my mate James Fernandez. Um, and he was big into it. You should read this, you should read this, and you think, oh, I haven't really got that much time. But you know, it, it's completely transformed my life and it's it's gone through the gone through the business. I think we mentioned before we've got a library. 
um, Caritomost Library, where people can check out books, they can read them, they can then, we've got an online system where they can um, review them, send links to colleagues, you might want to read this book, etc, etc. So that's changed uh, a culture here. But I think the learning agility for, for a leader, you know, you've always got to be seen to be developing, and then that filters through to the team, it's pretty simple. And it comes on to obviously, you know, the next one being influential. If you're seen to be doing some learning, if you're keeping on top of self-development and you're the perceived founder of the business, then then people below think, well, Christ, you know, if they're doing it, you know, how much more have I got to learn? And, and off the back of that, we've created a, what we call, well, actually, I won't name it in case any competitors are listening, but it's an online platform with over 100 hours of, of learning material. Um, we've won two national awards for, for that program. And I think this is where companies struggle. The main reason that companies that want to grow, because not all, you know, some some people have got lifestyle businesses and that's that's cool. But companies that want to grow and struggle to grow primarily see learning and development as a cost. They see the cost. And actually, there is a big return on investment on that, that you can't, the issue is you can't quantify it. But I'd say it's probably about 15 pounds, you know, there's like there's like probably like a 15 pounds to every pound invested easily so we can't spend enough on learning and development and we do some you know there are some people that say i think you train us too much you know we we have got a job to do etc which is nice to hear (laughs) (laughs) um we've got a a hotel just over the road and sometimes we'll close the company for a whole morning and and we'll get a world-class speaker in people that have worked with manchester united and other leading former leading organizations and, and you know we'll close the company and obviously people see uh, five grand for a three-hour thing as a, as a cost well actually it costs a hell of a lot more than that to have um, 100 people and just shut the business down for half a day you can imagine how much that costs mm. i wouldn't even want to think but it's, there's a huge return on investment on it so i think constantly learning and then constantly being seen to be learning um is is, is a huge that's where you're going to get your results in this list um that's probably you know the biggest one yeah, and like we said, through sort of practice and experience and effort and continuity, you know, anyone can do it. It's freely available to anyone, isn't it? It's not like a, a skill that you have to necessarily be born with. It's no, no. there free. You know, we've got the internet. Wow. What an exactly, exactly. And, and I was recommended a book the other day, and um, I usually like to buy a nice, you know, nice fresh copy. But I thought, so I got one for about 90p, and that was off Amazon. And it was a it was a secondhand copy of, of the book that I'd been recommended, and it was just it was almost pristine condition. So you don't have to spend twenty quid on each of these books, no, you know, right. hardback thing. You, you can you can go on Amazon. It's like it's like going to a car boot sale, but you you know you search out the exact title you want. So that's a big tip there. You know, you you, you can pick pick these things up relatively cheaply. Uh, next on the list, influence, Simon. I've got you down as an influencer in the uh, modern world that we operate. So, yeah, you go first on this one. So I think your influence as a leader is huge. You know, you, you see it with children, you, you know, your kids. If you wake up with a bit of a bad mood, you know, the whole household will start to suffer within a few minutes. And it's the same with, a, you know, with a large workplace. You know, if we talk about putting on a mask here, we don't have to do every every day because obviously, you know, we, we, we love coming here. But there are, you know, we're human and there's some days where just don't want to come or, or something's happened or you're not feeling feeling up for it if you walk in and 100 people see you in a mood you are more influential than you think you are and subconsciously that starts to bleed out into the team and, and you can tell that the the vibe disseminates throughout the company so yeah, as a leader or a parent or you know that you can imagine a manager of a football team if he's if he's had a bad weekend and he's trying to motivate the team it's going to be really tough 
So you are influential and you've got to sometimes put that mask on and, and deliver a happy, positive atmosphere, even if you're not feeling it. Because, uh, you know, as I said, it can bleed through the company really quickly. Yeah, that's, that's an important point. And I think another important point to make on the kind of the terminology is you shouldn't, uh, you shouldn't confuse it with sort of manipulation. Influence is kind of, it's meant in an inspirational way, not a kind of a way that you're trying to affect people um, yeah. for your own gain and control. I think, you know, if you can speak to people in like a logical and cooperative manner um, and show them, you know, what the point is you're trying to make, you're kind of influencing them to make their own decision as opposed to subconsciously telling them what you think they should be doing. Exactly. Um, so I think that's quite an important point to make. Yeah. Have you ever heard the one about the lighthouse or the tugboat? No, go ahead. So I heard about this the other day and it's and it, it was really interesting. So tugboats and life uh, and lighthouses are essentially there to, you know, guide ships, help them and, you know, make them find their way. If you're a tugboat type of leader, you are constantly right in people's faces. You're, you're dealing with each issue. You're picking it up each boat and taking it where it needs to go. And that is very much the mm. telling. And it can be exhausting sometimes. If you're the lighthouse, you are just leading and you're doing the right things for yourself. And you're almost a beacon on the horizon. You're, you're, less, you're less telling. You're more showing the way that it can be done. And I thought that was a really interesting sort of analogy. And, you know, as I said, if you're the sort of in-your-face type teller, it can, you, you, you can get some short-term results as, as the tugboat, but eventually it's going to be exhausting and you're going to burn out. Yeah, no, I like that one. That's, that's up there with the cathedral builder. Like yes, yeah, we, we like that one, don't we? A <laughs> um, couple more left on the list. Uh, next one being empathy, emotional intelligence. That's kind of you know, having the skills to read people's feelings, you know, read their body language. You know, there's a lot in the media nowadays, isn't there? Especially in organisations for employees and employers about um, sort of mental health, mental well-being, um, stresses and stuff at home, which can be, you know, leaking into their work, etc. And we could go down a huge rabbit hole about wellness and, and you know, the direction that it's going in. But I think talking you know back to leadership which is what this chat is about i think if you can demonstrate amongst your people that you are leading that you do have a empathetic side and you're there to you know you're willing to listen to concerns and and help them work through problems i think that that's a big one for me i think will really you know you'll you'll take people with you if you if you show those sorts of skills yeah definitely i, I think this is an area I have worked on in the past because I, you know, again, three, four years ago, I was probably <laughs> almost too empathetic and I have studied it. I've since read books on it, almost how to, to dull it down a bit because I used to take people's issues on like it was happening to me mm. and I could feel people's, literally almost feel people's pain or their worry or their anxiety, not just, you know, in a workplace, but like friends or whatever. And it's, again, it's fairly exhausting. And it, you know, you need to be there to support people and to, and to understand them. But, you know, if you, I just, I think I was just born with this, this thing to sort of pick up people's emotions. And it's really, it can be quite, I suppose it may be one of the, you know, one of the, one of the skills I've got, but it can be fairly exhausting. So it's one that I'm definitely aware of. And it's one where I've tried to, to almost draw some boundaries with. 
definitely. It's a, re- it's a really, really good point. And um, I think if you're demonstrating to people that you're listening to what they're saying, yeah, uh, as you made in the point that we said about earlier, I think that goes a long way towards it. And I don't just mean, you know, pay them lip service. I mean, you know, you are genuinely listening to what they are saying and they feel like they're being listened to. That's a big part of it. But then your point, I agree with wholeheartedly, especially when you've got an organization as large as yours uh, or, or a huge network of people you work with, you know, you can't be shouldering other people's um, issues or burdens because it will just quite quickly drag you down as well. So there's a, there's a real fine balance to be had there, but I think just completely ignoring people's emotional needs is not a great way to go. <laughs> no, I mean, it, get, it gets you nowhere. I mean, we, we were reminiscing the other day about a company that a few of us used to work for and it was shocking. Honestly, they were, I didn't have a dentist appointment for two and a half years because I wasn't allowed, I wasn't allowed to go. You weren't allowed to go to the doctors. All men had to shave every, every day. This is, you know, this is in recent memory. And they've, thankfully, they've completely changed now. But um, the, the lack of empathy from some employers is just shocking. And mm. it, it really is. I mean, they, they put the customers first, which is fine. Some companies, you know, you know, many, many companies do that. But obviously, the people looking after the customer that has to deliver the experience that they're so craving for the customer are your team members. And if you don't look after them, they're going to end up resenting the company. And resentment is, is anger and frustration internalized mm. and that is ha- that is what happens because as a team member if they were to you know vocalize their disdain for the, the process and what's happening they're more than likely to end up in hot water on a on a or manage out the company so it, it ends up resentment that you you're so angry and frustrated but you can't actually feel like you can say anything and it's one it's no way to live two it's no way to treat people and three they're not going to deliver the experience that that you want ties in with the respect point again i think doesn't it um, yeah. being, a, being a two-way street I've got a question for you actually on those points about empathy respect and the self-awareness thing how do you just before we come to our final point how do you so say you're using all these skills to the best of your ability you're being the best leader you possibly can yeah. at that time but you have someone a co-worker or an employee or contractor you're working with you, it's just you're not getting it back from them there is you know there is no respect there is no empathy back how do you deal with that? Do you approach it with them? Do you cut them off? What, how, what would you do? So you need, again, you need to understand if it's a, if it's a short-term issue. Um, you need to understand if it's contained or if their disdain for what's going on is then leaking out into, into other people. I can't say if it was here or elsewhere, but we I have managed in the past one particular person that was very difficult. Um, and always looked for the, the way to expose any mistake. And in the end, you get rid of them. They're not necessarily a bad person. They just don't fit the culture. Um, and someone that completely doesn't fit the culture is, is basically an internal terrorist, is, is what I call them. Um, and in the end, they've got to go. Mm-hmm. Um, because you're not just saving your thoughts and feelings. You're If you're feeling it, everyone else is feeling it. Yeah. Um, if, they're, yeah. if they're being disrespectful to the founder or, or someone there or their line manager they're being you know they've been disrespectful to everyone yeah. um, so it's important it's important you do that it's not harmonious is it no, exactly. um right and just quickly for out of time the last point on the research list is courage i would portray that as being good at risk assessing risk management taking risks yep. and being bold with those choices sticking to decisions but not scared to change them if it's not working out 
you know, rather avoiding po- uh, problems or conflicts, step up and try and move things in the right direction, you know, staff disputes, for example, like we were just yep. talking about. Yep, yep. Well, how, how do you see Courage Point? Yeah, I think, I think it's all of those things. I think you're right. I think, again, if people are heard, um, if you can let them have a platform to put their point across and the decision doesn't go their way, people are fairly happy with, with the outcome and you've got to show courage in making these decisions. I know when I'm slightly off the boil or I've come back from holiday or I'm not fully at the races because I, I put off making these decisions where usually four days out of five, I can make them very quickly. And like you said, one of the biggest courageous things you, you can do is admit when you made a mistake. Mm. Um, and, and people like that, definitely. The last quick one, it's not on the list, I think it's really important, is choice of language yeah. and the terminology you, you use. Um, I put something up on about this the other day. Um, there are so many, there's a few in this, in this uh, not in this office, but in the building, other companies. I look at their social media and it's, I've got X number of people working for me. Uh, my staff are this. They, they call themselves best boss. Right, you shouldn't. So the three three points here: one, you are not a boss. Completely and utterly, you're a leader. Um, you you can call yourself the founder, you can call yourself the leader, you can call yourself whoever. You don't ever refer to yourself as the boss. It doesn't come across. Um, it doesn't create the right vibe. Um, secondly, you haven't got staff. Okay, staff are you know used to being you know li- live in large wealthy homes and you know upstairs downstairs. It, again, they're not staff. If they're staff. You're not working in a, as a cohesive team, okay? If they work for you, you're not part of the team, okay? If you're not part of the team, how can you influence? How can you um, lead by example? Because you're not part of the team. So they don't work for you. You work together. And, and I'll have this, you know, I'll be in a pub and one of our, we've got 100 people, they all live in the same city pretty much, walk in and one of my mates go, oh, does he work for you? And I say, no, they, we work together. And I've said that for 10 years. I, can't, I cringe when people say, do they work for you? They work for their family. They work for themselves. They work for their children. They work for their parents. They, they, work, they don't work for you. They work for the company. And that's important. And finally, the key is when things have gone well, you say, you guys have smashed it. You guys have done amazingly. It's you. When things have gone badly, it's we need to improve. Okay. So you, you, you always remove yourself from the success and when there's an issue, you include yourself in the issue. And it's real subtle changes of language um, that people get, you know, understandably you get wrong, but it has a massive impact and people don't realise it. Yeah, very, very valid points there. So that's it for another episode. Thanks to everyone for tuning in and listening again, all the downloads. We'll see you next week. <laughs>